Welcome to On the Brain. Are you interested in controlling robots with your mind? Have you envisioned a neuroscience-based technology but aren't sure how to bring it to life? Today, we talk to Sam Story, president of NeuroAlberta Tech. Join us as we learn how this student-led organization tries to bring big ideas to life, give students practical skills, and bring awareness to the types of problems that neurotechnology can help address. Welcome to On the Brain. Today I'm very excited to have with us Sam Story. Sam, could you tell us a little bit about your organization? Yeah, well, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm super excited to be able to talk in the podcast and talk a little bit about NeuroAlberta Tech. Um, we are a student-led organization that's primarily grad students, but we also have quite a few um, undergrad students, or at least we have in the past. Uh, and we are focused on essentially the dissemination of neurotechnology information to the general public. It's such a cool sort of field and there's so many aspects that are sort of unexplored in neurotechnology and we feel like people have should know more about it yeah i totally agree neurotechnology is an amazing seems like emerging new field and i'm excited to learn a lot more about it from you Uh, so tell me what is so important about neurotechnology well Neurotechnology has been around for a long, long time. Don't quote me on the exact dates because I'm not entirely sure. But I mean, I'm pretty sure it all started with the electrical stimulation of frog muscles and being able to sort of, you know, see that we can stimulate muscle and get movement even in a like deceased tissue. And so over a long time, that has evolved into something that is so powerful and has so many different applications Um, You may have heard of deep brain electrostimulation, so that is targeted for um, many different things. There's some application for deep brain electrostimulation in both depression and Parkinson's, and that's literally putting an electrode deep into the brain, stimulating target areas with electricity in order to essentially regain lost function in those areas. But there's other... other, applications of it too that are not quite so invasive so there has been a huge amount of support for transcranial electrostimulation in the treatment of depression and other specific uh, pathologies Uh, one i mean very popular use of neurotechnology are cochlear implants so that is an implant that is in the cochlea and is used to electrically stimulate specific target regions within the cochlea so that um those who have lost their ability to hear are able to essentially get the correct electrical signals from the outside world and interpret that as sound. It's also been shown in the retina. You know, we have these were very poor attempts initially, but having an electrode array in the retina to try to send electrical state signals to the brain in sort of topologically correct pathways, I suppose, and for the brain to be able to interpret that as vision. Although the retina is so complicated that it didn't really work that well. One area of neurotechnology that has been extremely exciting and almost a breakthrough is actually brain-computer interface. Uh, And brain-computer interface, as it sounds, is just the interface between your brain, the neurons that are making thoughts happen, making muscle kind of connections as well, and the computer. And you can imagine if you can 
interface your thoughts to a computer, you might be able to make that cute computer control uh, a key binding or something like that, control a robot. So there's tons of different applications here, and uh, I really think that this is going to be sort of the future of neurotechnologies. Um, there's been a lot of companies that have actually stemmed out from the use of brain-computer interface, uh, like the previous president of Neuroalberta Tech, Dion Kelly. She co-founded Possibility Neurotechnologies, and they use these headsets that just read the electrical pattern of your thoughts and use those to control various different applications for people that maybe have cerebral palsy or have other motor deficiencies and are not able to control things you know, via skeletal muscles. That's amazing. It, it seems like something as seemingly simple now as a cochlear implant, we forget that the roots of that are actually uh, deep in science. And so something that seems almost taken for granted now, the ability to here after you um, lose some capacity of your your hearing ability might be restored uh, that's actually amazing and the things that you're talking about now so being able to uh, essentially read your mind uh, through some sort of device that's placed on your head it's almost science fiction now but might one day become just part of our everyday existence absolutely i couldn't agree more and so that's kind of what we're seeing with uh uh, companies like Neuralink, right? Neuralink, a lot of that is focused on initially the uh, reparation of, or, you know, the um, aiding people who have lost the connection between their brain and their limbs by having electrode arrays. But there is the potential for augmentation, you know, if you were able to just write down or think about uh, a note that you'd like to take in a meeting, but you don't have to take the time to sort of take yourself out of the meeting, write it down, and then by the time you re jump back into the meeting, you have lost all track of what's going on in the meeting, then you've also lost track of the thought there. So there's a possibility that we can use brain-computer interface to just simply take that thought, write it down, while you can still focus on exactly what's happening in front of you. But who knows? That's sort of in the future. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting sort of regulatory elements that are going to have to come and play before, <laughs> before we can start doing that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So, yeah, that definitely covers it. Neurotechnology is amazing. I'm very excited to see where it goes next. What are you and NeuroAlberta Tech focused on? Are you delivering this information to the public? Are you helping people expand their knowledge on in this in grad school? What, what do you focus on? Um, yeah, absolutely. So, NeuroAlberta Tech, there's actually four different entities of uh, NeuroAlberta Tech. There's three university chapters, University of Alberta, University of Calgary, uh, University of Lethbridge, and then there's the, the non-for-profit as well. And the main difference between the university chapters and the non-for-profit is essentially scale. Um, but also, what we have been able to do in the University of Calgary chapter is um, have our own specific focus for what we are um, educating people about that's largely based on the strengths that are present in University of Calgary. So um, uh, in here, in, in, at the University of Calgary, for example, we have the BCI for Kids Lab, and a lot of our focus in uh, past events and seminars has been on brain-computer interface because BCI for Kids focuses largely on that application of neurotechnology. Uh, more recently, however, we have been moving into different technologies such as near-infrared um, 
spectroscopy and also spinal uh, prosthesis for the regulation of autonomic dysfunction as well, which is really cool. And so the way that we are uh, presently sort of um, exhibiting these technologies is by having different speaker series. So in the past, we've had um, Dr. Adam Curtin, we've had Dr. Frank McMaster, uh, Dr. Zelma Kiss, and uh, several others come in and talk about their work in neurosurgery or pediatrics, uh, where they're actively using these technologies. And then more recently, we've actually had two postdocs, one from Dr. Aaron Phillips' lab, that's Dr. Jordan Lee, and another from um, Dr. Uh, Dunn's lab, which is um, Dr. Adingapu. And they have just been telling us all about their phenomenal research. These are free events for anybody to come into. And uh, typically we have like a large Q&A session after that. Um, moving forward, what we're hoping to sort of put out are uh, workshops that are essentially more curated for specific areas of neurotechnology uh, so that we can have a kind of more focused group, a little bit more of an intimate setting, maybe more uh, curated demonstrations, et cetera, as well. Okay. And what kinds of demonstrations would you put on? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the, the most tangible and the coolest demonstrations that uh, I shouldn't say the coolest, the most tangible, definitely the most sort of eye-catching and grabby, have been the use of these Muse headsets, which uh, I had mentioned earlier. And these are essentially reading your, um, the electrical pattern of your thoughts. We can train the device so that if you were to think about a motion, like pushing an object, um, first we train it to baseline, so you would think about nothing, where you think about counting backwards from 10, and then you train it uh, in a separate instance where you're only thinking about pushing an object. And then once we do that a couple of times, we can map that to a key binding, and um, let's say it's a W key on a keyboard, and we can have it so that that is controlling a robot. And then if we're in a classroom or something, we've got this uh, high school student who's come in, we've done all the training for them, we can actually get them to control the robot and have it run around the room, which is pretty amazing. Um, so those, I mean, those are some fun demonstrations. We've, uh, at the University of Alberta chapter, they actually do the same thing except with a drone, um, which is quite cool. I think they've also made video games that are controlled by the same headset. Um, recently at, um, at a conference that we attended, we talked to FC Robotics, um, who are, I'm sorry, AC Robotics, who are uh, an Alberta organization that focuses on robotics. And there's a University of Calgary chapter there. They've got a whole range of robotics, ranging from extremely simple Sphero robots to massive submarines with movable arms and stuff. And so we're looking at partnering with them to do some demonstrations using the headset and uh, to con control some of the robots as well. So it sounds like outreach is a pretty big part of your mandate. Uh, what are you trying to get across when you take this neurotechnology into the classroom? So the outreach approach that, we've, uh, that we have been taking so far has largely been focused on high school students. Uh, which is a really great group of people to talk to about this because the technology is so cool. In uh, From the sort of 30,000 foot level, it is very simple. You know, you have a brain that works with electrical activity. You can read that electrical activity and then you can um, use that to do different things, right? 
so in some of the high school outreach that we do, we will go to a high school and we will give a more or less didactic um, presentation on the very basics of neuroscience and neurotechnology and then the sort of you how these can be used for in clinical applications and, and others. Um, where we really want to branch out to is in younger crowds as well. So that would be uh, elementary schools. And obviously this would be a little bit more of a sort of simple um, presentation. However, lots of the uh, lots of the BCI for Kids lab right now is working with young kids, right? They're working with young kids that have cerebral palsy that would be in about the elementary school range. So I think it's very important for these young minds to understand, you know, maybe they have a peer in the class that uses BCI to control a wheelchair or something like that, to understand sort of what exactly is going on there. Our immediate plans are that are currently in development are actually to branch out into um, our, branch out more into our grad population and sort of harnessing the momentum that both, or that HBI has had for really tapping into the entrepreneurial side of neuroscience and neurotechnologies. Um, and we really want to start doing this with a series of workshops and uh, speaker series that are featuring leaders in industry who focus predominantly in neuroscience and have built their company um, on the principles of neurotechnology and that are using neurotechnology to help people, especially people that um, you know, really, really need it. Because there is so much here at the University of Calgary, so much talent, and there is essentially what we're told as grad students, or at least the sort of initial impression, is that there's, there's only two real paths. You go into medicine or you go into um, research as a, you know, as a PI. Uh, but the, the sort of innovation and industry sector is so elusive and and you know complicated and there's no not a huge amount of support for students to uh, to be able to get into industry and so we really think that we can kind of have a a, a niche here in that we can bring in industry leaders um, to talk about you know their successes their failures their current steps in maybe the building of their new company and we can really focus this into neurotechnology um, really great example of this is uh, 8-Bit Cortex. So 8-Bit Cortex started out as a uh, hackathon project. There was a team of students who were in a hackathon, and I'm not entirely sure what the directive of the hackathon was, but in their project, they came up with this gamified cognitive um, assessment application. And, you know, it's a great idea. You can, take the, you can have a daily self-assessment um, which is essentially you play a little game and it is um, and there's a, a program in there that is giving a readout of your burnout level on that particular day and that can be applied to different industries or, or, um, or sorry that can be uh, um, used in different businesses to sort of you know assess the level of burnout there but I mean um, that company started from a bunch of students who were participating in a hackathon and then you know someone was there to see their success and just be like wow that's a great idea let me jump on board with this we have funding here but I mean how you get from the from being a student just having a great idea whether it be in a hackathon or in your project to 
actual marketable, uh, marketable product is, it's a vast unknown, right? It's a void. So we're really looking to fill that gap with the grad students. That's excellent. We actually did an episode with Dr. Ty McKinney. Uh, so be sure to check that out if you're interested to hear more about that project. Do you have any other examples of people who have started from the University of Calgary and then gone on to a career in neurotechnology? So I had mentioned Dion Kelly, um, and she was in Dr. Adam Curtin's lab, and uh, which is also the BCI for Kids lab. And so they went on uh, to develop uh, possibilities neurotechnology. That is a um, fantastic example there of taking the skills that you've learned in grad school and uh, essentially turning them into a business. And I, I think they went public this year. Um, yeah, this year. And they've, yeah, they've done a great job. I'm really, I'm really excited to see where they go next. And I think, um, I think that sort of public application of BCI is going to be huge for, um, for moving the, the field of neurotechnologies forward. Mm-hmm. It's amazing to see colleagues go on to do big things like that. So how is NAT funded? So we have um, two main funding sources. Uh, the first are through fundraising efforts, which um, have not yet started in earnest. Um, however, we are actually actively seeking fundraising executives um, who would like to become, uh, come and be a part of Neural Alberta Tech with the focus, really, of creating and putting on fundraising events. And these can be silly events to having whatever water balloons thrown at a target and drop tanks or you know these can be um, larger scale silent auction raffles um, et cetera, et cetera. but that is one uh, way of fu- one funding source that we are looking to have um, we are also funded by the realize program here at hbi so they have been a tremendous help uh, specifically elena and sim she's been uh, wonderful in helping with our advertising for our programs, but also funding these events so that we can put them on and we can have more students. Yeah. Great. What else are you working on besides your outreach activities? Yeah, so that's um, that's a really exciting part of NAT that we haven't quite uh, taken off with yet, but we have big plans. So last year we. Last year, we had our first uh, hackathon, the Nat U of Calgary Hackathon, which is essentially a satellite hackathon from the um, uh, University of Alberta chapter. And so that was hosted by Nat U of C here at, uh, in the Feesby Lounge in HBI. And we had a pretty big attendance, I think about 45 or so people. And we had some really wonderful projects that came out of that. Our second initiative is actually um, to work with technology-related team projects, which are really cool applications that are focused around neurotechnology, but also take in some other skills from other departments. So we're really hoping to partner with Sulich School of Engineering here at University of Calgary to come up with um, project ideas for things like a neural prosthesis. So this could be a prosthesis of the hand, uh, which uses electrical recordings from uh, viable and and voluntarily controlled muscles potentially in your shoulder or your deltoid to control fine digits or to stimulate 
muscles which control fine digit movement in the hand, for example. We've also been looking at uh, potentially um, using eye tracking to control um, uh, fine movement as well. But we are actively looking for um, team projects to do, and we've got some ideas. But if anybody's looking to um, come on board with NeuroBirds Tech and help out with some of these team projects, we'd be absolutely willing to take them on. So essentially what you're looking to do is develop a device where I could flex a muscle in my shoulder and that would allow me to control my hand or grasp objects or move things where I might not have been able to do that before? That's exactly the idea, yeah. Well, if, if I knew anything about neurotechnology, I would definitely be jumping on board with that. <laughs> yeah, well, come aboard. <laughs> <laughs> so why did you decide to get involved in NAT? Throughout my undergrad, especially in the first two years, or I guess particularly in the first two years of my undergrad, you know, things didn't go exactly according to plan. Maybe the grades weren't quite as good as, uh, you know, a person had hoped. Um, and I feel like that's a relatively common story in undergrad students. Um, what really was a pivotal changing point for me was actually getting involved in organizations, student-led, student-funded clubs at my undergrad, in my undergraduate program. Um, and I very quickly saw the value of joining student clubs, um, not even in terms of just the education that you get from, you know, a specific weekly meeting with a focus on a particular subject like chess club or something like that, um, but more the sort of camaraderie that you feel and the dedication towards a certain thing that's almost infectious among people that are in student-led clubs. Um, examples of this are like like the HBITO. It's, you know, everybody's really keen on putting out educational material, putting out communication material, just making things that uh, are so kind of cool, apparent, um, to us, apparent to everybody. And uh, Neural Alberta Tech really, I, it didn't necessarily jump out to me, but someone had told me about uh, Nat. I think it was Joanna, actually, had, ta had told me about Nat and said, you know what, this is a really great club. If you want to join in, join in. And I emailed Dion, who's the president, and I said, hey, um, I don't know anything about neurotechnology. I know nothing. My product's not related to neurotechnology. I didn't know science background, but I don't know anything about that. She said, doesn't matter. You're going to learn along the way. We would love to have you aboard. Um, and uh, in my mind, it wasn't necessarily the sort of neurotechnology that brought me in. It was more how that, that I could see sort of the, the dedication um, and the people that were involved in the club. They're so inspiring in what they had done. And I think being a part of a small community like that within your larger community is very important um, in terms of your professional development, your social development, um, your networking abilities. Uh, and yeah, I would highly encourage, whether it be NeuroAlberta Tech or any other club, I would highly encourage anybody to join into a club. There's tons of them out there. Um, and there's so much that you will learn in terms of your leadership abilities. There's so many people that you'll meet, so many cool projects that you won't be involved with that seem way above your pay grade but are actually, um, you know, of course, very doable. You're capable of so much more than you had ever uh, 
um, thought you were. And that's a really good way to prove it to yourself is to join, join a club. And here you are becoming the president, having started out knowing nothing about neurotechnology. So hopefully that inspires somebody to join a club and doesn't really matter what it is, like you said, and just try to create something or make a difference. Absolutely. So if, what would you say to somebody who wants to get involved in your events or start volunteering with your chapter? Absolutely. Um, we have multiple different social media sites. Uh, so we have an um, Instagram and a Twitter and an email. And I think our LinkedIn is just going live now. So you can follow us on Instagram at uh, nat.ucalgary and you can follow, uh, send us an email at natufc at gmail.com or if you see um, any posters about any of our events we're going to be having these events and workshops um, starting monthly uh, or monthly starting in likely September um, or an end of the summer as well so you should see lots of these posters around and if you see anybody wearing a you know, Alberta Tech t-shirt or something like that go up to them and ask them, ask them a question fantastic Thank you very much for having me on the on the show here. Um, I really hope that we can see more and more and more people at our events. Uh, and yeah, I wish you guys the best of luck with On the Brain. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Sam. I learned so much and I look forward to attending your events in the future. Thank you. Thank you.